Welcome back to Bible Time. Yesterday we studied the doctrine of Christ. We looked at 2 John verse 9, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. Jesus Christ said, Ye shall know them by their fruits. He said, Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? He said, Every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, and every evil tree bringeth forth evil fruit. And he said, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Fruits. He did not say, ye shall know them by their suits. He said, ye shall know them by their fruits. And we're going to look today at a little bit different angle on this subject of the doctrine of Christ. We're going to be looking into the doctrine of Antichrist, and we're going to be looking at the fathers of the false church. Now, these have always existed alongside true believers, and these fathers of the false church can trace their lineage, and the false church can trace its lineage all the way back to Christ, who said that the enemy sowed tares amongst the wheat. Do you remember that? He said that he sowed good seed, but in the morning they saw that there were tares, and the servants went to the master and said, Master, did we not sow good seed? Whence then hath it these tares? And he said, An enemy hath done this. And they said, Should we root up the tares? And he said, Leave them alone, lest thou root up the wheat with the tares. Leave them alone until harvest, he said. And in harvest, he said, we'll gather the fruit into the barns and we'll burn the tares with fire unquenchable. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'd help us today, that you'd teach us, that you would um, embolden our hearts, Lord, with your words, strengthen us, guard us, guide us. Lord, you said for us to keep our hearts with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And I pray through this message today, Lord God, that our hearts would be warned and that we would build up the defenses, biblical defenses against the doctrines of devils and the doctrines of the Antichrist, Father, and of his crew. And I pray, Lord God, that you would quicken us today. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. And for Christ's sake, amen. Perhaps the first of these that we should look at would be Ananias and Caiaphas. Ananias and Caiaphas in the Gospels condemned Jesus Christ to death and accused him of being a blasphemer. And they did it holding the Bible. Now, they didn't have the epistles. They didn't have the Gospels. Those were not written yet, but they had seen and lived the Gospels. They had been alive during the very time of Christ. They had access to Christ for three and a half years. They could have gone anytime they wanted to and listened to Jesus Christ preach and even asked him questions, and he would have talked to them just like he did Nicodemus. But during that time, instead, for whatever reason, they filled with envy or whatever else it was, they chose instead to battle against Christ and to resist Christ, and they did it using the scriptures. They were the established religion, and they felt like they had a right to challenge Christ because he had not come to them first and gotten their permission to start his ministry. He had not gotten their confirmation, their affirmation. He had not gotten a degree from their Bible seminary, and therefore he was automatically suspect. And when Jesus Christ preached, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, their offense only broadened and deepened and their bitterness got more um, hateful and hostile until they came to the point that Ananias, 
Jeremiah speaking in a word of prophecy because he had a true and legitimate office of the church of the Jew of high priest. He spoke a word of prophecy as an opponent of Christ. And he says, you know nothing at all, nor do you recognize or know, he said, this is a paraphrase, you go up and look at, that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people. And there he talked about Jesus Christ dying a substitutionary death. Well, in his little wicked snake-sized mind, Ananias or Caiaphas, whichever one it was that said it, was actually thinking of Jesus Christ dying to keep the Jews from being removed from their home in Israel by the Romans. What, what God was saying through Ananias, what God was saying through that prophecy was, that Jesus Christ would die for the sins of the world. Isn't that amazing that God used Ananias because he was in a position that was legitimate, even though he was an illegitimate believer in a legitimate position? Do you see that? Isn't that amazing? <coughs> now, I made the statement earlier that the um, fathers of the false church have always existed um, the false church has always existed. It's always existed in line, in parallel with the true church. Do you hear me today? It's always used the Bible. The false church has always used the Bible. The false church has always taught the Bible. The false church has always held biblical offices. And the false church has always, as much as possible, um, gotten biblical offices within biblical churches. We're going to look at that today. We're on, a, we're on a wolf hunt today. We're going to look at these all through the Bible. We have um, a couple men that went along with the false church. Herod mocked Christ um, when there was no show. He wanted to see Christ do a miracle. Christ didn't do it, so he beat Christ and mocked him. Pilate condemned Christ for political gain. He was afraid of Christ because he felt that there was something real about Christ but he would not believe Christ. Instead, he, whenever the Jews said, we have no king but Caesar, and he found himself in a political bind, he sided with the wicked Jews who were against Christ, and he put Christ to death, or he condemned him to die. Christ was not put to death by man. He laid his life down. He, he laid his own life down. So these are some of the first of the false church. Now, the first apostle of the church of perdition, of perdition is Judas Iscariot. The first apostle of the Pope of Perdition, he sold Christ for silver. And he was um, in it spiritually, he would be the first Pope of the false church. He was willing to betray the Son of God for 30 pieces of silver. And if you go back and look down through the ages, there have been many men who have betrayed Christ for pieces of silver. Men who have gotten themselves rich off of the people of God and off of the extortion of the, of the poor and the use of religion to sell absolvences and other such um, abominations in order to enrich themselves off of so-called Christians who are really ignorant people that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ in truth but have a fear of God, a fear of hell and a desire to go to heaven and are led astray by the air of the wicked and by the feigned words and covetousness of these ungodly men 
one. So you have Judas Iscariot, the apostle, the first apostle of the church of perdition, the apostle of the serpent. You have Ananias um, there in the book of Acts. He kept back part of the price. And Ananias and Sapphira there, they were in the church. They were part of the church, but they brought in the leaven of hypocrisy. And they wanted people to recognize them and think highly of them. And so they sold a possession and kept back part of the price and claimed that they gave everything to God when in truth they only gave a part. And Peter had, um, by word of prophecy, had them struck dead and there they died. Simon, he was there. He's part of the fathers of the false church. Simon, the sorcerer, got saved out of Samaria, and he made a profession of faith there in Acts chapter 8, and he said that he got saved, but then whenever he saw that by the laying on of the apostles' hands the gift of the Holy Ghost was given, he offered the apostles money that on whomsoever I may lay my hands, they may receive the Holy Ghost, he said, and Peter said, thy money perish with thee thou hast neither right nor law in this matter for thy heart is not right with god old simon the sorcerer trying to manipulate people trying to use wealth and gain to buy gifts of the holy ghost to get influence with the masses he was the sorcerer of samaria but whenever the church came in and people began to be saved and there was a religious movement he attached himself to the the religious movement like a leech in the jungle would attach itself to the leg of a missionary walking into a village to share christ and he bit his teeth in and he held on and began to try to suck the very blood out of the apostles and tried to offer them money. Can you just think for just a moment the absolute devious and deadly nature of that offer? Not only would Simon, if he could even get the gift, even if they could impart the gift for money and give Simon that gift so that he could misuse it, what was even more deadly and potentially devastating and more of a satanic attack on the church on the true church of the living God was the offer of money to the apostles. Do you realize what Simon was doing? He was approaching Peter, who Jesus Christ had ordained to open the door of faith to the Gentiles and the Jews, the two keys of the kingdom of heaven that he promised Peter in Matthew 16. And Peter had already opened the door of faith to the Jews. And here Satan came in to try and waylay Peter right at the beginning and at the outset and get Peter off and apart from God right before the events that happened in Acts chapter 10 and would have rendered Peter impotent and powerless to fulfill the ministry that God had raised him up to do. And he walked right in there and approached him and said, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee. And if you want to know whether or not somebody says, you know, a lot of these people claim succession to to Peter. There's many um, false teachers and false prophets that claim succession to Peter. And if you want to really check them out, why don't you go offer them money for their gifts and see if they'll take it? If they're really in succession of Peter, they would say, thy money perish with thee. And they certainly wouldn't have laid up all the riches of the empires in their little citadel in the seven hills of Rome if they were a successor of Peter or any other that claims to be an apostle will not receive money for the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Peter was immune to the love of money through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. But you see here that Simon, one of the early church fathers of the false church, offered 
money for the gifts of the Holy Ghost. Next, we see a man named Saul breathing out threatenings against the church and slaughter in Acts chapter 9. He desired letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. By his own admission later, this man, after his conversion, would say that he hailed men and women into bondage. He gathered, he got um, summons for their arrest, and he put these people, Christians, in bondage. And he used force and power and cruelty in the name of God Almighty. Do you hear me today? In the name of Almighty God, with the scriptures as his backing, this man Saul breathed out threatenings, cruelty, and slaughter against the church. He hailed men and women to prison, compelled them to blaspheme, and then when they would be testified against, he would offer his voice against them. And many of them, by by the story that is told there later, would be even put to death. And here you have an early church father of the church of perdition. The church of perdition has always specialized in the blood of the martyrs. The church of perdition in the name of God has been drunk with the blood of martyrs for centuries, for two millennia, ever since Christ came. And Saul was one of the early church fathers of the church of perdition. By God's grace, as we have recently looked at and mentioned in our podcast here and in our Bible time study, Saul would later be miraculously converted by Jesus Christ and become Paul one of the church fathers and the apostle of the Lamb who gave us much of the New Testament and whose own works would be embattled and attacked and fought against by the synagogue of Satan and by the wolf pack from hell, the early church fathers. And his own works would be rested, his own words would be rested, and finally Paul himself would be beheaded on the Appian Way for the testimony of Jesus Christ and his own blood would be spilled with the blood of the martyrs that he won dragged to prison hallelujah to the lamb for the power and the grace of almighty god now we talked about the doctrine of christ the other day that jesus is god in the flesh that he was born of the virgin mary that he lived a perfect sinless life and he died a substitutionary voluntary death on the cross of jesus christ for our sins that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life and this is the gospel which is the power of god and salvation. You are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Grace cannot be mixed with works. And we looked a little bit at the doctrine of Christ, and we told you the necessity of knowing the doctrine of Christ, that you need to be intimately aware of who Christ is and what he taught. You need to know Christ better than you know yourself. You need to know Christ inside and outside, right side up and upside down, frontwards and backwards. You need to know Jesus Christ. You need to study who he is, what he said, what he did, where he went, why he went, how long he went, what he did while he was there. You need to know Jesus Christ. And we talked about that yesterday. Today we're looking at the doctrine of the Antichrist and the fathers of the church of of perdition, the church fathers. And all of these that we're going to mention here today, that we're going to look at, with the exception of the special mention that we gave to Herod and to Pilate at the beginning, all of these are part and parcel with the true living church for some time. They walk side by side, hand in hand with the true church. They're part of the church. They make professions to be in the church. They get baptized. They perhaps minister with 
within the church. And then at one point along their way, the manifestation of the reality of their false profession is borne out and they leave the church. As Paul said, they went out from us because they were not of us. For if they had been with us, they would no doubt have, if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But instead, because they are not of the church, but rather tares and wolves and false prophets, after time goes by, eventually they are exposed by God Almighty and they go on um, preaching as if they are still right, acting as if they are still right, carrying their Bibles to do their ungodly deeds and leading many people after them astray into the error of the wicked. This is the wolf hunt that we're doing today. We're going to hunt them up out of the Bible. We're going to go in the briars. We're going to go in the brambles and we're going to beat the sword of the spirit against the history book of the word of God that tells us about these false prophets and we're going to run them up out into the open and we're going to take a look at their mange and we're going to take a look at their fangs and we're going to take a look at their claws and we're going to take a look at the deadly rabies that they carry and we're going to ask God to kill some wolves and ask God to keep us out of their clutches today. How many of you want to get wolf eaten? How many of you want to get chewed on to death by a wolf? Listen to me today. If I could choose, if I knowing the truth could choose between being put in a room with a rabies ridden wolf all by myself with nothing on my body to even wear and nothing to defend myself with but my fingernails and my teeth or to have to sit and be indoctrinated by one of these men in the Bible and learn their wicked ways and become a follower of them, I would choose the dungeon with the wolf and the bear naked. Do you hear me today? A literal physical wolf is not as dangerous as a spiritual wolf. And we are warned in the Bible against spiritual wolves. Spiritual wolves in the Bible follow our adversary, the devil, who walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That mangy, disease-ridden abomination of the devil walks about masquerading as Jesus Christ, who is the lion of the tribe of Judah. You can only tell the difference between them if you get close. And by the time you get close to that roaring lion, the devil, it's too late. So you better get close to the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's got a wolf pack, that old devil does. That mangy devil, the adversary, the devil that walketh about as a roaring lion, has got a wolf pack that follows him. They follow him howling. They follow him snapping. They follow him snarling. But he's got he's too smart to let them look that way when they come to you. So he dresses them up in sheep's clothing. And he makes his angels angels, ministers of light, and he puts a Bible in their hand and he stands them up and he slaps the Bible in their hands and he gives them hellish inspiration to twist and rest the scriptures and he sends them out to the church and tells them to preach doctrines of devils in the name of Jesus Christ who he hates and abhors. Have a seat, young man. Thank you. You have Saul, and then immediately after Saul's conversion, we find another one of the false fathers of the false church, Elamis the sorcerer. Now, Elamis the sorcerer, (coughs) excuse me, old Elamis the sorcerer perverted the right ways of God. He perverted the right ways of God, contradicting and blaspheming the gospel as Paul tried to preach to the to the um, deputy of the area 
That's in Acts chapter 13. The deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elamus the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Now, if you look back at verse 6, it tells us that there was a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus. That means son of Jesus. So right here, we find that one of the fathers of the church of perdition is running around with the name of son of Jesus. And he's a Jew. He's got the biblical background. He's got the Bible under his arm. He's got the name of Jesus plastered across his pedigree. And here he is resisting the gospel that's being brought by Paul and Barnabas to Sergius Paulus, the deputy of the country. And then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, Oh, full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord and now behold the hand of the Lord is upon thee and thou shalt be blind and not seeing the sun for a season and immediately he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand then the deputy it says when he saw what was done believed being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord listen to me today all this inner faith stuff all this ecumenical garbage where we're all supposed to just get along and get together and give our pulpits to any old man that shows up with a Bible is a doctrine of devil and it's straight out of hell. You want to try and tell me we all serve the same God. You want to try and tell me we're all going to the same place. You want to try and tell me that just because somebody has a cross or a crucifix or prayer beads or something to identify them in some way as Christian that I'm supposed to give them an equal hearing. I tell you that you have been subverted. You have been taught doctrines of devils. If you're not a wolf yourself, if you're teaching people to go out and just listen to any old hack job, that comes off the plant out of the old dead seminaries and starts preaching doctrines of devils, you're either a wolf or you've already been half devoured and you're infected with their rabies disease. And that's right today. Lump it or like it, it's right. Judaizers come up next in the book of Acts and then they show up in Galatians again having turned an entire region against Christ. And Paul says, you have fallen from grace to the church of Galatia because they let a bunch of Jewish preachers show up at their, at their doorstep and start preaching the doctrines of devils. These are the fathers of the church of perdition. Next in Acts 19, or actually in Acts um, before 19, somewhere around 17, you have the Thessalonican Jews. And these Thessalonican Jews were moved with envy when they saw the city and all the Gentiles come and turn out to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. It wasn't good enough for folks to get saved. Those folks needed to get saved with their name tag or it didn't count. And they didn't want this upstart Paul getting the glory. So they started fighting against Paul and contradicting and blaspheming. And they would even follow Paul to strange cities. Do you hear me today? They chased Paul to strange cities. Here's a whole mangy wolf pack of them. The Thessalonican Jews. I'm for the Jews. And don't you let anybody um, tell you otherwise. Go back and read what I, and listen to what I've taught about the Jews. I'm for them. But Jews that reject Christ become enemies of the cross of Christ. So for the cross's sake and for Christ's sake they are enemies. But for the Father's sake they are beloved. Here we've got a couple other guys that show up here. We'll give honorable mention. 
These guys aren't so much church fathers as they are exactly the material that the church fathers of the church of perdition are looking for. You got old Felix in Acts 24 who trembled but was unchanged because he loved money and convenience and he didn't want to repent and believe the gospel and he left himself prey to the false church. Oh, if he can, if money speaks to him, the false church has got ways with money. Then you've got old Festus willing to do the Jews a pleasure. So he leaves Paul bound and he mocks the Lord and he appeases the Antichrist factions. You've got all old Agrippa. He knew the prophets. He knew the Bible. And he said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Now, these men, though they weren't ever seen to be disseminating doctrines of devils, were doubtless um, open to those doctrines of devils. So he gave them an honorable mention. Next, let's look at the next prey to the doctrine of devils, Centurion Julius, who believed the master and owner of the ship rather than Paul. Here's a man who's got his eye on the ways of the world, who thinks the old preacher doesn't know what he's talking about, and he'd rather listen to the master and the owner of the ship than the old apostle paul and you can read how his story ended in a massive shipwreck and there in the end of the book of acts let's get back to the church um, of the of perdition here and the fathers of the said church these are the false apostles go to second corinthians 11 second corinthians 11 verse 13 deceitful workers we're on a wolf hunt today the only kind of wolf that's a good wolf is a dead wolf. Our whole our conservation department is releasing wolves back into the wild all over the place. You know, there's a reason they're extinct in a lot of areas. And the reason is that normal people with common sense and decency don't want 180-pound beasts with rabies and mange and dread diseases and a disposition like hell running into their backyard with their children. But the conservation department worships and serves the creature rather than the creator. And so they're introducing wolves again all across our land. And the reality of the physical introduction of wolves only mimics and follows the spiritual introduction of wolves into the land of America because this country has been overrun with false apostles. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 13. It says here, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Did you hear me today? And there's a whole lot of them, but did you know this isn't a new trend? There have been false apostles transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ since the apostles. This is no new trend. So you can go and find today a great big false church that claims succession of apostleship all the way back to Peter. And you can go back and look. Jesus said, ye shall know them by their fruit. Go back and study the lives of these false apostles. Look at what they did and what they believed and how they behaved. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see the wolf under the sheep's clothing. Now here we've got these false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness whose end shall be according to their works. 
Did you hear that? They're going to hell. Their end shall be according to their works, not according to their profession, not according to the lineage or history of their church, not according to the fact that they can trace themselves back to the apostles of the Lamb. Listen to me today. There are cults and there are false churches and many of them that can trace their lineage all the way back to the apostles of Christ. They can, but where they fail to tell you the truth is that they fail to tell you that they are the ones that resisted and withstood the apostles of Christ and that their first apostle is Judas himself. We're going to look at some of the names of these apostles. They're coming up. But in the meantime, let's look at that wicked in 2 Thessalonians and give him a mention, and he'll be the last one that we touch on today. Lord, help us today in Jesus' name. We know the devil hates being exposed. The devil hates the truth being told about him and about his churches and about his church, the great whore. And I pray, Lord God, that you would give us grace today and strength against the devil and that you would win the victory and that you'd release people who are held captive. And Lord, that you would set the lines of battle clear and plain so that people are not duped by this trash. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' holy name. 2 Thessalonians 2.8 says, And then shall that wicked, with a capital W, be revealed. There's one that is named Wicked. And he's going to be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Did you hear that today? The wicked, the one called Wicked, who Jesus Christ, will destroy it with the brightness of his coming none other than the antichrist himself this man will be destroyed by the coming of christ and he will enter in a court after the working of satan with all power and signs and lying wonders do you hear me today the false church has power the false church has doctrine the false church has wealth the false church has heritage it can claim its lineage oh all the way back to Christ. The false church is full of lying wonders and signs. It says here, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. What is it that gets people caught up in the false church? They receive not the love of the truth. They love the signs. They love the lying wonders. They're willing to be duped. They're just waiting to be duped because they don't know the doctrine of Christ and they don't follow the doctrine of Christ and they don't keep the commands of Christ but they have a profession and like old Agrippa almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian so they join an almost church a church that you don't have to be persuaded a church you don't have to repent a church you don't have to turn to Jesus a a church where you will never be subject to true preaching about the doctrine of Christ and the truth of the word of God and they love not the truth so they join these churches full of false apostles and they follow their deceivable lying wonders and signs and believe a lie. It says in verse 11, and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Amen. This ain't a fun message, but it's a true message and we're going to hold on. We're going to keep plowing. 
Next, we'll see in 2 Thessalonians that there's a whole group of people called disorderly there in 2 Thessalonians, working not at all, but are busy bodies. And he talks about young widows who um, become idlers, tattlers, busy bodies, um, and they're running around, getting into trouble and saying things they ought not say. And these deserve at least an honorable mention, perhaps not church fathers, but they do get in the honorable mention. We're looking again at the church of perdition and the church fathers of the church of perdition. 2 Timothy 3, 3.8. <coughs> Excuse me today. Second Timothy 3, 8. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. That means that their mind has been turned upside down concerning the faith. And they call evil good and good evil. And those things which God holds up as something to be considered um, saving faith, they repudiate, they hate, they thrust away from them. And they substitute a false faith, a faith in the doctrines and commandments and works of men for righteousness. And here are these um, mentioned here in the word of God as Janus and Jambres who withstood Moses. And these are those that resist and rebel against God-given authority. They fight against the authorities that God has placed in the local church, which God has given us the five offices there in the, in the word of God. We talked about that the other day. We'll move on. These um, Janus and Jambres withstood Moses. Next, go to 4.10. Chapter 4 and verse 10. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Here you have the soul winner Demas in the evangelistic band of Paul the Apostle. And he went along and he preached the gospel. He backed up the Apostle Paul. He was part of that first church. And then he left Paul, having left this present world. But a man with that much education, a man with that much heritage, a man man with that much of a pedigree, having worked and discipled directly under the apostle Paul and knowing what he's doing, he would not be long without a church. And we don't know. I haven't even looked him up in church history. And if I did, I wouldn't trust 85% of what I read about him because that stuff's written by man and not by God. But if old Demas didn't get a church, getting, didn't get himself a good church pretty quick, I'd be pretty tempted to bet I'd eat my shirt over it. Old Demas, he had a pedigree, he had a heritage. He left Paul, having loved this present world, and I'll guarantee you somewhere out there was just the right church for him. Full of a bunch of worldly Christians who loved the pleasures of this world, and they weren't going to get out in the battle, and they weren't going to get in the fight, and they probably were looking for just that kind of preacher. And along comes old Demas, a church father of the church of perdition. Next, we're going to look at Alexander the coppersmith. Actually, um, Hymenus and Alexander get mentioned first in 1 Timothy chapter 1. So go back there, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 20. I must have the wrong reference here because they're, oh, let's see. 
Help me, Lord. There it is. First Timothy one twenty. Of whom is Hymenus and Alexander? He says some of these people have put away faith and a good conscience. Read the context in verse nineteen. And concerning faith, he says, have made shipwreck. Of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Old Alexander and Hymenaeus are blasphemers. They're teaching lies about Jesus Christ. And boy, does that make them qualified to be church fathers. They were in the church Paul started. They can trace their lineage back to the very early church and their place there where they were converted, quote unquote, under the ministry of Paul the Apostle and don't doubt for a minute that they carried that pedigree with them and used it everywhere that they went. Well, they carried the word of God that had been delivered them to Paul and twisted and rested the scriptures to their own destruction. You have Hymenaeus and Philetus who had fallen, had succumbed to profane and vain babblings, the Bible says. Then their words do eat as a canker, the Apostle Paul said as he warned his son Timothy against them and against their words. He says they say things that are profane and vain, but those things that they say eat as do a canker. They eat into the hearers. Somebody hears them say something and it gets their wheels turning and they start thinking ungodly, unholy, unfaithful, disbelieving thoughts. And it eats as doth a canker. These are church fathers of the false church, false prophets and false preachers, profane and vain babblings. We'll look at some of those verses a little more when we go back through. So the false prophets are mentioned by Peter in 2 Peter. Go to 2 Peter. It blows my mind, absolutely blows my mind how that somebody can say that their church leader is a successor of Peter and that the man standing there that is um, not only countenancing but encouraging sodomy and child molestation and all kinds of evil and perverse wickedness, a man who preys upon the poor and teaches worship of idols and has subverted all the doctrines of Christ and those tell me that he succeeded Peter. What a joke. If you believe that, you have been duped. You have been bit by a rabid dog of hell. And you have doctrines of devils running through your veins. And if you don't get a good dose of anti-rabies serum called the doctrine of Christ out of the word of God and get your face in that book and study hard, you're going to go to hell. You are following a false prophet. We have the beast in the Bible. Go to Second Peter um, 2 verse 1. But there were false prophets also among them, among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Where did he say the false prophets and teachers would be? Where did he say? There shall be false prophets and prophets. Where does he say? among the people he's talking and he also or tells the elders which are among you i exhort who am also an elder he's talking to the churches and he says among you there will be false prophets among you there will be false teachers they will rise up they will bring privily that means secretly quietly in the background subtly covered up and with feigned words they're going to sneak in bringing these damnable heresies in and deceive many of the people and take them away from the fold of Jesus Christ. Listen to me today. 
If somebody walked into the church painted red with horns growing out of his head and silver filed pointy teeth that stuck out of his mouth like fangs and all kinds of demonic jewelry all over his face, not wearing a shirt with demons tattooed all over his naked chest, would you let him preach? Absolutely not. Duh. So what? Satan's not stupid, okay? Satan's wicked. Satan's vile. But the Bible says he's more subtle than any beast. He's subtle. And he transforms his preachers into angels of light. He doesn't send them in looking like that. But if you could see their soul, they would look like that. But they come in how? They come in with their hair done just right. They come in with their suit on if you're one of those suit churches. They come in in overhauls and brogans if you're one of those kinds of churches. They come in in long black robes with a little white thing in their collar if you're one of those kinds of churches. They wear big tall hats and carry an orb on their lap with a cross on it and let people kiss their ring for spiritual favor and sit on the seven hills and seven mountains of Rome in the Vatican. These are the false preachers and false prophets and they come decked out in the trappings of religion. They come covered in crosses. They come covered in seminary degrees. They come covered with Bibles and with literature and with the praise and applause of men as they carry their Bibles under their arms and their false apostles, deceivers, false prophets, the beasts, the false prophet, the great whore are all next in their mention. These are the fathers of the false church. The beasts, the false prophet are yet to come. The great whore has been with us for 2,000 years and we've just mentioned many of her first converts we can find her in Revelation 17 but for now let's look at a couple warnings in the Bible about these wolves Romans 16 17 Romans 16 and verse 17 now I beseech you brethren mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. Did you notice he did not say mark those that cause divisions and and offenses about anything. If anybody troubles the water, if anybody makes a mess or a stink or gets up and yells, there's a wolf in the pack, you need to kick them out. That's not what he says, but that's how your wolf priest is going to tell you it should be taught. He's going to tell you that's the guy right there, the guy you listen to online. I'm marking him. I hope he does mark me. But I hope that you'll turn from your wicked ways and recognize the wolf that's marking me for pointing him out. Listen to me today. Satan's not stupid. He knows the Bible better than all the seminary professors in the whole world put together. He knows this book. He knew the men that wrote the book. Do you hear me? He was created by God before those men were created. He walked amidst the stones of fire in heaven. He knows God by visual sight. He knows God's nature on a first-hand basis. He knows the operation of the Holy Spirit better than we can even begin to express it. He's not stupid. He's our enemy, but his wrath and power are great and armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. We would have no hope. The Lord Sabaoth is he from age to age the same. Out of a mighty fortress is our God. A great sermon written by a man who was nearly devoured by these wolves and whose life bore the marks of the wolf. And had the failures of the wolf mixed in with it because of the damage done by the wolf. Oh, Martin Luther, look him up. These that cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. 
That's the line of demarcation. That's where the battle line is drawn in the church. That's the line. When someone stands up against the doctrine of the word of God, then they must be opposed. And the Bible tells us to earnestly contend for the faith as it was once delivered unto you. We are to hold to the doctrine, not the suit. We are to hold to the doctrine, the truth of God's word, not the physical heritage or passing down of some kind of stick with a cross and some gems glued onto it. Do you hear me today? We're to follow the doctrine. We're to follow the truth. We're to follow the ones that have the fruit, not the ones that have the suit. Are you so foolish that you would follow the one with the suit? When he has no fruit, Jesus said, by your fruit, ye shall know them. By their fruit, ye shall know them. He says, I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words, do you hear me today? You're like, oh man, honey, shut this guy off. He's giving me a stomach ache. Yeah, that's you. I hear you. You're right there. Serve not the Lord our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. You want to hear the self-help crowd? You want to hear the people that are going to tickle your ears and pat your belly and tell you, oh, good old boy, and send you out to the buffet after the service on Sunday? That's what you want. Well, the Bible pegged you right there. They that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. You're following them and you'll become one of them if you stick with them. 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. Turn there quickly. In verse 22. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. Maranatha. Anathema means cut off. Maranatha means come quickly, Lord Jesus. He says, if any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema. Maranatha. You get somebody in your church house starts lying on Jesus, cut him off by the power of the name of Jesus. Turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Read 1 Corinthians 5 for how to deal with blasphemers. As Paul did to Hymenaeus and Alexander in the books of Timothy. You can look it up and see it for yourself. Philippians 3.18, quickly. We're going to travel right on through, pick up a few more verses, and we will be done with our wolf hunt today. I'm going to chase them out of the bushes and kill them with the sword of the Spirit. Lord, help us in Jesus' name. Philippians 3.18. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Did you hear that? All this feel-good, goody-two-shoes stuff about inter-church stuff, let's all get together and sing kumbaya and have a praise and worship service and ignore the doctrines of devils in our midst. That's a bunch of trash out of hell. 
That is a bunch of trash out of hell. Look at our text there in Philippians 3.18. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. And we have them everywhere in this nation filling the majority of the pulpits across this land. It is a rare church that you will go into where the doctrine of Christ is preached with unadulterated truth and power of the Holy Ghost. It is rare and few and far between in this day. I asked the question the other day, who are you following? It'd be a good question to think about again as you go to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 2 talks about being delivered from wicked and unreasonable men. It says that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for all men have not faith. All men have not faith. Go to 1 Timothy. Chapter 1. In verse 6, he says, and verse 5 gives us the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. That means faith that isn't faked. And verse 6 says, from which some, having swerved, have turned aside unto vain jangling, desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor whereof they affirm, but we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. So this is talking about, it says, knowing that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which is committed to my trust. So he says, if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, talking about people that desire to be teachers of the law, but they've turned aside from the doctrine of Christ. These people have turned aside to vain jangling. Listen, your Judaizers, your law keepers, who are trying to keep the law as some measure of righteousness, even though they say, oh, I keep the law because I love Jesus, yet if you press them very far at all, it becomes apparent that they do it because they think that it's required for righteousness. Oh, of course they don't admit that. The devil's ministers never admit it. They are liars. Did you hear what it says right here? Liars, liars, liars. There's an old saying, liar, liar, pants on fire. They're liars and their pants are on fire. They're on their way to hell. The smoke and brimstone is coming up around them while they speak and while they hold their crosses and while they tell you that they love Jesus, they're liars. First Timothy six, they've departed from the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. First Timothy six and verse three, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, get this, even the words of our Lord Jesus and to the doctrine, which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of 
corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such withdraw thyself. Listen to me today. You're in a church full of this garbage, full of these doctrines of devils. You need to withdraw yourself. If you are in a leadership position and can do anything about it, drive the wolves from the flock by the name of Jesus Christ. Get in the book. Learn the doctrine of Christ. Get salvation down solid and earnestly strive, earnestly contend for the faith. Don't allow yourself to get sucked into perverse disputings. Just stand up and hose the whole crowd down with the doctrine of Christ. Go back and back and back again to the doctrine of Christ. The doctrine of Christ like a fire truck with 10,000 gallons of water and a great big hose and a pump and open that thing up on wide open and hose the whole crowd of wolves right out of your church with the doctrine of Christ. The doctrine of Christ is the key. Those that depart from the doctrine of Christ are wolves. Do you hear me today? I'm glad you hear me today. This room we're in sure echoes. I'm sorry about that. Can't help it. Maybe we'll have a different room to do it in before too long. Working on that too. All right. Profane and vain babbling. Second Timothy. Go there quickly. 2 and 23. Oh, we skipped old Hymenaeus and Alexander again. It says there, but it says, look at the context. Study, verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The reason the wolves have overrun America is because we are full of ignorance in our pulpits and in our pews. What marks the true church of the living God is a people that love their Bibles and they love the Lord Jesus Christ. And they love Him enough that they're not going to let a wolf get in the pulpit. Do you hear me today? If you can sit there under a wolf, it shows what kind you are. Wolves scatter sheep. You know who hangs out with the wolves? Other wolves. It's called a wolf pack. You hang out with those wolves. Those are your people. You like to be around them. You're a stinking wolf. That's what you are. The sheep are scattered by the wolves. And those are often found all across the mountains and hills of America, all by their lonesome, not even going to church anymore, wandering around, trying to find upside, right side up from upside down. They've been so scattered by the wolves. Okay, we've got to keep moving here. Go to 3 and 2, 9, 2 through 9. It says, and we'll start in verse 1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. I just read the church history of most of the major churches and denominations that you've ever found. Right there. But particularly Orthodox and Catholic churches. Read. Listen to me. Don't be an ignorant stool pigeon. Read the people that you say are succeeding Peter and what they actually did. You say you're part of that church. Go do your own homework. Look at what they did. Look at what they said. Read the truth about them. Look at their fruit. For Christ's sake. But you won't do it. No, because you're a wolf. You're with them. You're part of their pack. If you're a sheep, prove it. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ and get out of the wolf pack. Get away from them. 
It says here, for men should be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. Incontinent, by the way, is dealing with celibacy. These are guys that forbid to marry, which Peter directly said that in the last days men would rise up that would forbid to marry. And it tells you who they are and what they're all about. And if your church forbids its ministers to marry or ever has, you know that you are in the church of perdition, according to the word of God. And I say that with love in my heart. But nonetheless, seriously, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses. They creep. Listen to me. They don't walk in with a sign on their shirt that says, adulterer, I'm here to steal your wife. Duh. How stupid can we be? They creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. They've got degrees on their wall till there's no wall left. It's covered with their degrees, but never in all their 50, 60, 70 years of erudite learning and theological studies have they ever once been able to comprehend the most basic concept of the doctrine of Christ ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses so do these also resist the truth men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith but they shall proceed no further for their folly shall be manifest also unto all men as theirs also was and what is the counter to this verse 10 but thou hast fully known my doctrine not church doctrine my doctrine get away from church doctrine and get in the apostles doctrine that we have in the 66 books that are perfectly preserved in the word of god we have it in english in the authorized version bible you look at it for yourself compare scripture to scripture Judge them by their fruit. Thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came into me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. All right, Mr. Five-Piece Suit Jet Plane Preacher, running around with your multi-million dollars, all men speaking well of you, welcomed into king's palaces and president's rotundas, and everybody says good about everything you do is you rake in millions from the miserable poor who you deceive with your lies show me the signs of an apostle show me your tribulation show me your affliction show me your shipwrecks show me your stonings show me the marks on your back from the times you've received 40 stripes save one it's a bunch of trash It says, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution, but evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing whom thou hast learned them. Do you hear me? The key is to continue in the things thou hast learned. Don't continue in the church that you started in. Continue in the things that thou hast learned and 
where did he learn the things that he learned? Look at it right here in the scriptures. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Look up here. Itching ears. Oh, oh. I don't want to hear this stuff. I want to go somewhere where somebody says good words, smooth words, pleasing words. Prophesy unto us smooth things. They said, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. The key is in the Holy Scriptures. Go to 2 Peter 1.9. I promise you we're nearly done. We've only got uh, five more places to go in the Bible here. Second Peter, got to move quick. <clears throat> Second Peter one nine. He says, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, which is not the verse I was looking for, but it's a good one, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Speaking of Jesus Christ and how it's testified in the Word of God. Maybe I was looking for First Peter. Oh, that is First Peter. That's my problem. Second Peter one nine. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Second Peter two, that there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. You want to say, I know my church is the right church because it's always been around and there's always been lots of people that go there. Oh, really read second peter 2 1 and 2 and many shall follow their pernicious ways you've got the wrong concept of the church you just completely reprobate concerning the faith you need to get right with god god's people are persecuted god's people are chased god's people are harrowed all who will live godly in christ jesus shall suffer persecution god's people have their stuff stolen from them they don't steal stuff from other people like your mega big church does God help us today. And if yours doesn't, I wasn't talking to you, so don't get mad at me. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. He's saying the judgment of God is not going to linger. It hangs over your head. I used to misread that and think that your judgment, your ability to comprehend things lingereth not. Well, that would apply, but it's not what the Bible says. Your judgment went away with the wind. 
But no, he's saying that the judgment of God is lingering and it's not going to keep lingering. It's hanging over your head. And their damnation slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Don't you see Noah sitting there in his jewel-encrusted throne with his white papal robes and his big hat and the orb on his lap floating through the ocean with all the people kissing his ring and carrying little idols of Mary around with them while they float there. Hmm, that wasn't how it happened, was it? No, you see an old rough character that had to put together a boat with his own stinking hands. He actually knew how to work. And he worked hard. And he built a boat. It's just, okay, we got to keep moving. Bear with me. Spare not the old world, but save Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly and delivered just lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. He goes on here and says, for the Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished, but chiefly them that walk after the flesh. Right here is your hallmark. What do you feed a lamb? What does a lamb eat? It eats grass and it eats water, right? Grass and water. What does a wolf eat? Lambs. It eats flesh. A wolf is flesh and you can always smell a wolf by the smell of the flesh that he wears underneath his sheepskin. And he'll turn up his nose at the grass, the green pastures that God leads his sheep by. But the smell of flesh reeks from underneath his skin. They that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities, whereas angels which are greater in power and might bring not railing accusations against them before the Lord. But these as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, i.e. wolves, Speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption and they shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices, curt practices, cursed children which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. Their words are big and great and swelling, but they're empty of true doctrine and true power. Well, they promised them liberty. They themselves are the servants of corruption for of whom a man is overcome of the same as he brought in bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Do you hear what it's saying here? The fathers of the, the church fathers of the church of perdition. 
were among the church. They heard the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. They made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. They were they sat and were discipled at the feet of Matthew, of Luke, of the beloved physician. They sat and were discipled at the feet of Paul and of Timothy. They were amongst the number of the disciples, but it says here, they were entangled again and overcome and the latter end is worse within than the beginning for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Association with the church of Jesus Christ means nothing. It is your own fruit by which you will be judged and by which you should be judged. And the Bible tells us, judge righteous judgment. Second John verse 7, we looked at the other day. We're moving quickly here, but I am done worrying about it. We're just going to preach it. And we're just going to preach it and post it. Um, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh are set forth uh, for an ensample. And he's talking about um, these that would deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ in verse four. Um, Let's go back to that. There are certain men crept in unawares. Did you hear that? Crept in unawares. Who? What? Wait, what? What? Crept into what? Crept into the church. Listen to me. If, if the church, if you have a group of people that cannot trace their lineage to the church, then they're pagan. This is basic. You meet somebody that's a Hindu and you don't say, oh, well, they're Christian. Obviously, that's basic. So any Christian-based cult then must begin in the church. And if it cannot trace its lineage in some way to the church, then it has no leg to stand on and no way to try and claim any validity. But he says there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord said, we need to stop and just let it be done and rest right there. And we didn't even get to Revelation. Maybe we'll do that another day. These are the fathers of the false church that we've looked at today. This is the doctrine of the Antichrist. They come in with the doctrine of Christ and pervert the true words of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've always existed alongside true believers and always trace their lineage back to the church of Jesus Christ. The only solution and way to not be deceived is to know the doctrine of Christ, to know the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation. Beware the wolves. Father, in Jesus' name, please keep us from wolves. Help us, Lord, in this day. Spare your flock, Father, and raise up shepherds for your flock that will drive out the wolves. In Jesus' name, amen.